Exhibition Coalition podcast number 55 with one of the best photographers in the biz. If you check out Combat Night and you've seen photos, you've probably seen his work. Steve Holt on Instagram at Rusty Picks. Check it out. Oh, he's moving around. He's going to get his motion sick. I know. <laughs> there hey. we go. Hey, there you are. He's on the move. <laughs> All over the place tonight. Yeah, some problems with my phone. Well, our last interview, the phone died about uh, uh, near the end, so it wasn't too bad. But he was just <laughs> in the middle of a really good story. Yes. Too. <laughs> well, isn't that how it usually goes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Well, and that, and uh, we had one interview that we did that we uh, forgot to record it. So that was the worst one. So that was that was horrible because we forgot. It, we, we realized at the end. Like, there, was a, there was a whole hour conversation with somebody who I had fought really hard to get on the program, yeah. and I forgot to hit record. <laughs> Actually, she's getting ready to do MMA now. We have to hit her up again. Yeah. So uh, she's a uh, she's a uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion that uh, now has decided that uh, she's gonna throw her throw her name into the MMA ring. So throw her, throw her hat into the cage. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, see how that transition goes. I mean, some people make the transition very well, some don't. I mean, it's yeah. It used to be that anybody that did gyps, like you were gonna dominate in the cage, but now it's just that's a staple for anybody that's gonna train MMA you're instantaneously going to have some form of a JIT background. Yeah. So just because you've got a belt doesn't mean that you're used to getting punched in the face. Well, but it's, like, it, it's also different now, though. Because, I mean, when, when jiu-jitsu hit the scene, realistically, for the vast majority of people, it was in 1993. That's when the UFC hit the scene in November. Was it November 10th? Okay, so that's when they hit the scene. So every gym that was doing jiu-jitsu, the foundation of that jiu-jitsu – was looking towards fighting you know uh the the idea and the concept of uh like sport jiu-jitsu didn't really didn't really exist i mean the the idea was you were dealing with strikes you know everybody that i remember everybody coming in off the street as soon as you show them something i could just hit you from here you know i, I don't think i've had those questions in a long time you know because <laughs> you know I, I do agree i mean sport jiu-jitsu there's the there's the arguments of you know, no gi versus gi, but even in that respect, there's still a very big difference between sport jujitsu and MMA jujitsu. I mean, even people 100%. that do, even people that specialize in no gi, just because you're no gi doesn't mean that it translates to MMA. You know, some of their transitions are super slick, but they'll get you teed up, you know, in uh, in a cage. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're looking for a submission. You're not looking to – for sport. You're not right. you're not looking to try to defend yourself from taking a hit to the face or taking right. a shot to yeah. the body. And it totally throws you off because now all of a sudden your adrenaline's kicked in and you're going to fall back to that which you train the most. And if yep. what you do when you train the most is pull guard and hug until you can figure out what's going on, then you're screwed. I mean – yeah, and some of the people that don't have the ability to control anybody, it's it's a very loose game. They rely on entanglements and things of that nature that that we're, we're just going to flow and, and play. And the next thing you know, the dude's, you know, sitting inside your floppy guard and is dropping bombs on your face. It's a different it's a different scenario. Yeah. So, yeah. 
it's <laughs> there's there's nothing fun about getting punched in the face but no. you can really tell what a person's made of after they've been punched in the face yes i mean it's i i've said a, a long time i mean when 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 i was training and we were bare knuckled and and we're and we're i mean every night was fighting i don't ever remember thinking about tapping out while somebody's punching you in the face now the moment they no. hook up an arm bar or a choke you're defending and you're like oh now it's time but you know while they're bouncing your head off the floor you know you're just thinking up until the time that uh, that you're you're you know kind of going out that uh, it's payback time, you know, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as you can get out of it. When, when I had started fighting, it was, it was very much, <laughs> the fight's going to stop when somebody's unconscious. Yes. There, there was no like tapping out. Tapping out was, I, I didn't even realize that was a thing until I had gotten into sport jujitsu. Oh, gotcha. I was, like, I was like, dude, you could gap to make somebody stop. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the difference between, that the, the Gracie style jujitsu, the Gracie style UFC of the point was for not only self-defense, but for fighting fanatics, like right. in the street, when you're in Brazil, tapping doesn't do anything. You need to be able to control yourself. And then when you are in a position where you're on top and you're dominant, you need to remind the person that, yeah, while I do have you and I'm in a full mount right. and I might not want to punch you in the face, but I'm going to slap the snot out of you right across your cheek. Yeah. Well, what was your first introduction to, uh, to martial arts? I was, I was five and I got put into Tung Sudo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My dad thought I was a smart ass. So he wanted to make sure that I could defend myself when I got to be to the point where bullies were in school. So, right. you know, I got the, I got the black belt at a stupid young age. And then I went from Tung Sudo to Taekwondo. Okay. Very um, similar I black, arts. I mean, Tong, Tong Sudo very, versus very Taekwondo, much. very similar. Yeah, very, uh, just a, a couple different forms or katas, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever, whatever the difference in, in dialect. Um, and then from there, I, I kind of started bouncing around because I was having fun. And I, I, I started doing the mixing of martial arts before it was actually called mixed martial arts. Right, yeah. And then yeah. I went from Taekwondo to Tung Sudo to I picked up boxing. And then from there, I went to kickboxing. And then I tried some uh, capoeira, which probably my favorite of all time. Okay. I was in, I was in South Florida uh, training capoeira with a bunch of guys that had moved up from Brazil. Nice. That was really cool. Uh, I got kicked in the face more doing capoeira sparring with a heel across my face than any other training session ever. And once was by my sister. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then from there, it was, you know, then I kind of just, that was when I picked up my first match because I, I was uh, 19. Okay. And I was in a bar. It was a tough man competition in some bar. And they were like, oh, you want to fight? And I was like, sure. And I went against some guy that was like 200 pounds. I was like, this doesn't seem fair. <laughs> I, was like, I was like a buck 20. So in, in that yeah. tough man, was it just hands or was it pretty open? It was an open tough man because it wasn't an actual tough man competition. It was right. literally... Like they, they had put up a string. It was just a rope in some country bar. Yeah. I don't even remember what say somewhere between Orlando and Okeechobee. Uh, and I was just like, sure. So they wrapped some string around on the, on the dirt, on the dance floor. And we all went to town and I came out and he cocked back like he was going to swing and rip my head off. And I freaked out, went immediately back to training and front snap kicked him right in the jaw. And he went up, went down. Uh. Like, Whoa. <laughs> 
He's like, well, that's cool. <laughs> and he got up. He's like, that's not fair. You're not allowed to kick. I was like, I turned. I'm like, there's no refs. <laughs> I'm like, right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I was like, that's a big difference. Like, what am, <laughs> like, what am I going to do? <laughs> so, I was like, well, I'm going to kick you. So if you're going to try to kick me, that's cool. So let's just go. And then we ended up going probably about two minutes before I had, uh, I had almost ripped his leg off that he just, he, he got, I actually literally stepped out of the ring and just walked away. I was like, wow. I think I won. Uh, I, got, I got a hundred bucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, yeah. But you know, like coming from that, you know, I joke around with a lot of the older fighters or it's like, that's what we came from. That was what made the, the underground mixed martial arts and why UFC was so looked frowned upon because it was just yeah. so gnarly. I mean, guys like that were not normal. Yeah. People didn't yeah. want to fight for fun. Like, no, that's bad. Uh, and then they became glorified. Like now it's like, Ooh. Yeah, I love, my, I love my, walking my... into new gyms and saying, I want to train UFC. It makes everybody laugh. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah it's... <laughs> my, my buddy and I used to say way, way back in the day, you know, because uh, I, I remember, you know, I got uh, I got a bootleg copy of UFC one shortly after it, it, it happened. I never got a chance to see UFC one pay-per-view, um, but it was shortly after that that, uh, you know, discovered the UFC discovered that they weren't the only ones, you know, that there were there were other MMA or no holds barred, which is actually what it was being touted as, you know fairly early was nhb instead of mma the mma really didn't even come about till they started adding the rules and they were trying to distance themselves from the early bare knuckle days yeah um, that's when those groin shots were allowed God. yeah yeah hair pulling yeah. hair pulling head butting yeah, yeah there was no there was uh, what was his name the guy that i used to watch bad karma and he he, he went like three different events where he was a champion the guy could not get beat it was like oh my gosh it was like ufc six or seven wow <laughs> oh man that's yeah no holes barred yeah there was that was royce gracie went up against that huge fat guy was that ufc two that big sumo wrestler looking guy um try to think is ufc two hoisted the the karate guy uh ichihara first um that was ufc two I think who was Voice's second opponent in UFC two? Because I think his third opponent was his third opponent that. Uh... God, I'm trying to remember because UFC two. I know Ichihara because that was the that's the only sixteen man tournament that they did was uh, UFC yeah. two. Man, that was gnarly. Imagine fighting that many times in one night, like full on bare knuckle fighting. Yeah, that was so. That was the one that was the first fight that I remember watching Pat Smith versus Scott Morris, the, uh, the ninja versus, yeah. and when he charged and Pat got up on top and just started raining elbows down on top of him, that was the first time that my jaw dropped. And I was like, Oh shit. You know, but up until that, I mean, you watch some people, they get clubbed pretty good. Maybe they go down or you, you know, you get a couple, couple good shots are going down. And this was the, that was the first one I remember watching going, you know, you know, like, holy shit. I mean, that, that all happened so fast and the yeah. amount of damage. I mean, it was reported that uh, he got like probably like, like 60 or 70 stitches, um, you know, after that fight, it was a, it was a lot. Yeah, that's gnarly. Yeah. It's, it's, 
<laughs> there's a reason that it was it was frowned upon and why it was underground and why it was never glorified until rules got put in place when it well, started they, to make sense and people could feel like okay that makes sense it's a little guy versus a little guy yeah well the the interesting part is i, I have a couple uh, uh history books if you will of mma or no holds barred or whatever whatever connotations are with it and it's actually talking about some of the early UFCs, not UFC one or two. I think more like about three or four, somewhere in there, where they were supposedly hiring people to protest their own events to drum up news footage, to yeah. free advertisement to get the local news talking yeah. about it, and it, it backfired on them on uh, on one event, you know, where at the last second the local jurisdiction came in and said no. You know, you're out and they actually had to, to move. But I mean, I I didn't get a chance to like actually like verify a bunch of that, but I've read it in more than one source that uh that yeah, that that they, they used to hire protesters. I I could see that. I would agree with that because if you're driving down the road and you got people, especially back then, you know, it's like you're driving down the road and you see a bunch of people with signs up, you want to look. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's going on over there? And then you see fighting is bad, you're like, whoa. Anybody that would even think fighting is something cool, you're going to automatically oh, turn in. I'm already, yeah, I'm already looking. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ooh, fighting's bad. We're fighting. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. It, it's there, there are people that are just born that way. I guess you could yeah. say they're the natural born warriors, that, that type that were just born in the wrong timeline. And they mostly end up gravitating towards some type of a fighting sport for fun. Uh, they're the guys that are getting choked out with a smile on their face, you know, but yeah. they're, they're the ones that will see a fight in, in the street. And it's like, and it's a fair fight. They'll just stand there and watch. Like, oh, oh, man, yeah, you shouldn't do that. No, 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 don't, don't drop your hands. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and everybody else is in the streets. Like, somebody should call the police. It's like, why? One of them is going to get knocked out and they'll walk away. And if not, then we'll step in and make sure that nobody gets killed. Like, they obviously have an issue. Let them work out right. like yeah. men or like women. I've seen women fight too, and I'm equal opportunity face punching. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'll be honest with you. I, I think I enjoy women's MMA more than the men's average fight versus average fight. Um, now, I, I mean, so I, love, more I love the big marquee fights. Don't get me wrong, but you know, we we've said for a long time that the the ladies always tend to steal the show. Um, you know, on most of the most of the cards. Yeah. Um, remain politically correct. Uh, it is a very male dominant sport and oh, yeah. more often than not when there is an odd case or something that is extra ordinary or just outside the ordinary like women getting in a fight there is a side of you normal people that it's like oh no women shouldn't do that but we're not aiming towards those people we're looking to get the people that are in, that enjoy the fighting so the people that enjoy watching someone else get punched in the face well no we don't discriminate male right. female sure thing you do it like that's why there's no transgender or anything in, in mma world because now you know who you are and you're gonna fight it's like i don't i don't have any questions yeah. about thanks for having me well i mean they did uh what was the uh was it fallon fox or fox fallon or whatever did the transgendered fight and was that the one that broke the broke Girl the job. one girl's skull yeah, oh, yeah, in, yeah. That, in that one promo i remember that yep that's like wrestling too like that girl boy I don't, I don't remember how it was but she's won 
state national like the state title for wrestling for high school like three years in a row oh yeah yeah see now, yeah. now i gotta look that up to make sure that i didn't uh i didn't just like bash on somebody that they didn't need to so i can throw my apologies out there so nobody, uh... blame me i'm just a photographer <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into fight photography um uh, you know, just training and being in all the right places at the right time. And then eventually, um, I've always had a camera. I, you know, I took pictures for the military while I was enlisted and then it came out and I had started taking a, pic a couple pictures at home just for fun. And then my friend had a fight. Uh, so I went to his fight and brought my camera cause it was with the gym and, you know, I was just out and about and I caught a couple of cool pictures with the absolute garbage camera i mean the camera is not even as good as the phones we use today wow yeah. and uh yeah and i caught a couple of cool ones and the promoter had said uh because i had sent them it was mitch mitch tamale with combat night and i had sent them to him and, and josh and they were like man these are really cool if you want to come back for the next event that'd be great i was like oh okay cool so i went back for the next event and honestly from there it was just history because it blew up to the point where I was reaching out, trying to get other people to let me shoot because I was, I was finding, I was really <coughs> enjoying it. And the more I did, the better I got. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I can see things and being, being with the background of having the background that I've got, I saw things when you could see when someone's dropping a shoulder or when they shift their feet, you can tell when it's coming. And if you actually stand next to me when I'm cage side and I'm, and I'm taking my pictures, cause I'll do, if I'm shooting in different formats, but I, I can get up to, you know, 20 shots in one second with yeah. my camera and you'll, you'll hear it. It's like, well, something's coming. And then you watch. Right. And then you can almost play in, in a video stream of the pictures I got of someone's foot coming up. But that's why it's most events. I'll take 10,000 pictures. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I want to be able to get 200 solid photos. Right. Yeah, di digital was such an amazing thing. Oh um, my gosh. Yes. Because when, when we first started training and, and doing MMA and everything else, um, you know, film was still real. You know, you had to go pay money to get it developed. And then you had to pay extra if you want to get them digitized and put on a disc. So we didn't take a lot of pictures, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you, you trained your ass off. You did all that stuff. You didn't take pictures. So, but I mean, you did, the, but it was it was promo pictures, and yeah, it was yeah. all staged in the gym because I had a few of them. Yeah, it anymore. was more. It was much more. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, like I said, like right now. I mean, when you're talking, you're taking ten thousand photos, things of that nature. No, not gonna happen. You couldn't do no, that you, film. Yeah, if you would have asked me on film, I I I could have done it, not have shown up, and I I would have taken probably a hundred, maybe right, maybe two hundred. Um, but that's a lot of time in a dark room. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, cause you got to go through, you got to pull all negatives out. You got to look and see which one's good. And I can't even tell you, like I've got, my setup is here, here. I've got two huge, you know, 24 inch screens and I'll move, you know, my, my face is 12 inches away from my screen as I'm looking for each and every minute detail of, okay, no, is that good? No, that's out of focus. Ah. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, on the, the normal occasion, I'll get Larry Folsom's butt right in the yeah, middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember there was, a, um, um, I, I think you were the one that started, you put a photo out there, there was like, man, this would have been an amazing photo. <laughs> yeah, and then it fine. started a whole thread. 
you know, just <laughs> just talking about how his butt always gets in the photos. Yeah, at the at the last event, I had a uh, I went to Michael's the uh, the Hobby Lobby store and bought a, a little half inch dowel, wooden dowel. And I told him as soon as he was going to come over, I was going to stick you the face, <laughs> jab him in the jab him in the butt. And I said, "It's my referee recalibration device." Yeah, <laughs> he's laughing. He's like, "Don't tease me with a good time, my like, man. I'm gonna tell you why." <laughs> <laughs> but we've been—it's um, been six years that he nice. and I have been working together. Yeah, uh, I've been—I've been—I've been around a combat night since early twenties, and we're in a hundred and like, the last one we did was hundred and twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been a long road. Totally. Well, I mean, I, 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 mean got I, really I know cool for, for myself because I mean, like I've got, I mean, well, I mean, we, we've taken our stuff off the walls because we're we're getting ready to move to our new uh, new facility. But my very first fighter, I have two pictures from his first fight. That's all I can find. I have two pictures. Yeah. Um, one is just a general picture of the cage in the middle of a parking lot in the middle of the day. Um, Cause the fights unfortunately were in the middle of the day. Um, and then it's a picture of him after the fight with a little bit of a shiner and like, that's it. That's for that whole event. That's all I got. I got two. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Cause like I said, I mean, the whole time, like now, now I try to make it a point, you know, when we're, when we're sitting there and we're, and we're doing a, uh, you know, I'm wrapping hands or whatever. I usually try to get Christian or Melissa or somebody to at least take a couple pictures uh, uh, just for, for memory's sake of, of me wrapping their hands, whoever I'm wrapping. Um, and then we don't tend to take many more pictures after that during warmups. If somebody does, they do, but we don't, we don't really concentrate on that too much. Um, and then it's been a really cool thing, especially on the events that, uh, that like you're doing. You know, we don't have to worry about grabbing shots or anything of the fight because we know, you know, we're there's there's always going to be an amazing shot. Um, you know, like like we were just talking at the uh, at the last one up in up in Jacksonville when you know I made the comment I was like it's legit uh, when when Garrett hit the dude, I mean sweat blood whatever I don't know what it was flew off of him got my eye, and you were like I got that on on photo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, that was a good fight, and that was that was one of the events that I was absolutely blessed with good lighting. Yeah, because mo most no of those, yeah, how important that is. Yeah, most of those, it's it, it's tough. I mean, out of the ten thousand photos that you take, I mean, how many, how many would you say are even close to? a quality level that, that you would feel like. Cause I know ultimately what you actually put out there, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the total quantity of photos that you take. Cause most mm -hmm. of them are either there's a blur in it, it's out of focus or whatever. The lighting's weird or. Well, a lot of them are lead ups too. To right. be able to get the one shot where it's the connection shot. I have to take six before that and six after right. that. Right. So I'll have 11 shots of and then follow through with that are yeah. just absolute garbage. So, and if you're going to have a fight that's got, you know, like Garrett's fight, I, I, they were, I probably took 16, 1800 of his fight alone. Wow. Because when you're swinging for the fences and you got two guys that are putting it all out there, I love those fights yeah. because I can post a ton of those pictures. But to do that, I have to take 
That's a couple, a couple thousand. Yeah. You know, it's like, but then when you get two really highly technical BJJ guys, and they spend most of the time hooked up under hooks or on the ground and they're rolling, yeah. I take very few pictures because, you know, and I've had people ask, it's like, well, why don't you get that many pictures? It's like, it, it's two guys that are shirtless hugging on the ground. Right. Well, and you took six pictures and if you took 1800, they would all look the same. Yep. I mean, <laughs> yeah, same position. There's same. a guy's butt. Okay, yeah, they're hugging. Okay, well, he's whispering in his ear. No, it's just, it's two guys hugging him. You can't make BJJ look like MMA right. unless you're doing something now when it comes to submissions or submission attempts. But even then, it's it's a really tricky scenario because yeah, I you don't. I have to be very mindful of what gets put out because it could be taken and twisted and looked at in the wrong way by someone who's just wanting to be a jerk. Yep. yep. Like, okay. If, if you get somebody that's in a triangle and it's just in the, in the wrong position, the guy's head's in the wrong place. It just, it can look really bad. And I usually don't post those because right, yeah. I don't want to put either fo- either fighter in a precarious situation where it's like, they're having to defend, you know, even if it's just from friends and family, you know, what the picture represents. It's like, no, you don't even know what's going on there. It's like, that. Yeah, don't, that's my job. I don't, I'm not going to put you guys in a position. Everything should look awesome where it's not like, ah, that's gay. Like, right. Yo, do you think it's gay? Get in the cage. Let's well, go. I mean, if, if you put it out there, you want the responses to be in, in a good position for everybody because then once it starts going negative and goes to the other side, then everybody turns off. They don't. Yep. I mean, and unfortunately, it, I'm, I'm, I'm members of enough different jujitsu forums and mma forums and everything else that literally when it starts to go south it goes south in a hurry you know yeah <laughs> they're a ruthless bunch once uh w- once it goes that direction yeah once you get once you get one one aspect of any one part of of an event or fight that someone views as even the slightest bit obscure they just tear it apart and then you start looking for everything else. But that's, that's that, you know, that correlation to, if you're looking for the color purple, you're going to see everything that's purple. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't, you don't realize how many people are driving your brand of car until you buy that car and you're like, wow, I had no many, I had no idea there were so many Altimas on the road. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. You just bought an Altima. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's about true. So what's been one of your favorite memories? Well, there was one time at band camp. There was. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I, man, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> how, how far back do you want to go? With photography or with fighting? Uh, let's, let's do photography. I mean, it was like they're like a, a particular event that like just a, a certain fight or whatever that just stuck out in your mind. Or, or you know, I mean, it's one of those things, especially when you go back. You know, the, the, the early days had some crazy stories about sometimes the, the things that happened outside the, the ring were sometimes, I hate to say it, more memorable than what happened in mm-hmm. the cage. So <laughs> I've, I've been, 2020 was a really interesting year. I, I shot several events, you know, some of them all, you know, in various parts of the state. And there, there was more fights outside the cage in 2020 than any other year that I've been, that I've been shooting. Wow. There's always wow. at least one to two fights in the year. There's always a breakout, you know, which gyms cause it, you know, where to stay away from. Yeah. Um, but 2020, it was bad. There was like, there was one where um, 
<laughs> I was joking with a couple of people about it because it completely caught me by surprise. I uh, I was drinking a Coke and in a, let's just say it, was, it wasn't really a fight. It was a riot because everybody in the entire crowd had gotten caught up in this. And some guy, you know, because I was drinking a Coke, I had my camera in my left hand drinking a Coke and I'm next to the cage. I'm just walking around because I'm not going to get involved in it. And then somebody has sprayed mace. So oh, everybody's got bloodshot eyes. And <laughs> like, it looks like it looks like a zombie apocalypse in the middle of 2020 because, you know, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. And uh, and this guy, he like points at me and starts he doesn't point at me, but he points in my direction and starts cussing. And I'm I'm standing there with my camera and my coke. I'm like, who's this guy? I turn around, I'm like, who's he talking to? Like this kid be like, I don't know, I was just standing there sipping my coke watching the event pull out. And uh, he kept coming towards me and pointing his finger and jabbing. I'm like, what in the world is like I look back and see if he was talking to one of the fighters in the cage. I'm like, what's going on? And he finally came up and he sternum tapped me. So he got his finger right. He got so close that he re- it made me realize it took me entirely too long to react. This guy was now in striking distance, and wow. I was holding my expensive camera and a Coke. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God. It was like something woke up. I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, he, he's angry at me. He wants to fight me. Right. Oh. <laughs> so I, I dropped the Coke, and, whack, and I caught him with an elbow across the jaw. And he went down. The police happened to be right behind him. I was like, he tried to hit me, and I spilled my Coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so mad. Because it was like $8 for the Coke. Did you ever find out what his beef was? Like, why? And no, no. Because it was, it was, everything was just chaos after That's it. so weird. The whole, the whole thing was just chaos. But I get it all the time where people, they'll come up and they yell at me because they're drunk. I had a, at one yeah. event, somebody was yelling at me because I was posing the ring girl with you know different articles of clothing and you know different sponsors and he comes up and was telling me you got no idea what you're doing she's gorgeous you don't need to try to pretend to tell her how to be pretty i'm like all right yeah like i what do you want to say that's like there's a reason i'm in here and you're not so unfortunately uh that that that's been our observation is definitely the the events that have alcohol tend to have more fights in the crowd than uh, than those that don't. Um, we used to go to uh, Jackson Rancheria in California, and uh, they they had uh, uh, Global Knockout was their uh, there was their event that they would have on the uh, on the Indian Casino, and they were dry, no no alcohol at all. And I, I the whole time we were there, yeah, I can't hardly remember that. a single fight in the crowd. Um, yeah, they were they were all now we were at one in the uh, Stockton Arena. Uh, this was a strike force card. I, mean, I can't remember who the headline was, but fight breaks out in the crowd. Cops come in. They're literally escorting the guy out of the arena. And as they walk him by, and it looks like they're walking him by a completely different area from where his fight actually took place. And some like old dude decides that it's his opportunity to be a, a tough guy while the dude's cuffed with the police officers and decides he's going to throw his drink at the dude. I mean, it hits the officers, hits the guy. So ultimately they just turn. And I mean, everybody in the crowd is pointing <laughs> right at him. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, he tried to hide the fact that you know, it wasn't him or whatever, but everybody in the crowd is just pointing right at him. So they go up there like, come on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we were at uh, we were at one event. Uh, it was the WEC in Lamore, California. This is before Zufa bought the WEC 
and then moved it to uh, to Vegas. So we're uh, we, we've been going to the WECs for a while, and buddy of mine goes to the restroom and he comes back and he goes, "Man, he goes, I don't know what's about to go down." He goes, "But the the cops are under the bleachers right now, stretching with batons <laughs> in their hands." This was on the uh, this was on the tribal grounds. Yeah, so this he's like he's like they're literally they're, he's like they're under the bleachers right now, stretching like they're getting ready, like some shit's about to go down <laughs> with batons in their hands. And then, <laughs> then the uh, like an intermission takes place, and all I remember is we weren't really paying that much attention, and then it just caught my eye, and I see a chair flying like a frisbee <laughs> out of nowhere. And it drops in the middle of the floor level seats. And it's like uh, the way I described the, the commercial, like Dawn takes grease out of the way. And as soon as it comes in, every, <laughs> when that chair hit, the whole floor just separated. And then that was it. It was, you, it was a brawl going on. And then the officers came in and I mean, just started Swinging. cleaning house. <laughs> I mean, one dude had a chair in his hand guy's on the ground he's got the chair up in the air and he's getting ready to just let the dude have it and he takes a nightstick straight to the spine and just crumbles i mean the officers weren't joking around when they when they came through i mean these were the ones that were stretching before the event we're we're up in the cheap seats that used to be i used to say if i was going to do i mean and this is a while ago we were already talking about doing some sort of interview thing or podcast or something. We were going to call it something like, you know, from the cheap seats. Cause that's where we always sat. You know, you'd find me in the back in the bleachers, usually at the very, call, very call it the, no, the nosebleeds. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then some dude, he just comes hauling ass from the area where, I mean, like I said, the cops are just beating the living tar out of everybody runs up, sits down with our group, takes his shirt off, turns it inside out puts it back on and then sits down like like nothing <laughs> happened yeah <laughs> it was that was a very well thought out idea <laughs> well then like because uh, the wec used to do this is when uh uh the smirnoff ice and everything first kind of came out and they used to they just give you the plastic bottle um so you go and you pay your five or six bucks or whatever and you get a 16 ounce, like a Smirnoff black or whatever, but it would be in a plastic bottle with like a wide mouth cap. And <clears throat> at the event, don't uh, something happened in the cage that nobody liked. And you saw thousands of plastic bottles just launch. Uh, <laughs> So that was the last event that they did. After that, it, it was, was buy it. They pour it into the cup, throw the bottle away. Um. <laughs> I, yeah, I have a problem with drinks anywhere near cage side. It always bothers me, especially when I'm on a lower level. Um, but no, the uh, it's it's a it's a hit or miss. There's there's always at least one or two fights that'll break out throughout the throughout the year. <laughs> There you are. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I got FaceTime coming in. Oh. Yeah, um, we lost the video. So <laughs> just for a second. We're good I'll, now. We're good now. I'll, I'll have I'll have fights that break out on a regular basis. Some of them are stupid and they get separated very quickly. Other times, you know, some drunk guy attacks the wrong person. Yeah. Um yeah, I've seen I've seen those that are extremely interesting. Like it's it amazes me 
how what's I don't know what's a good euphemism for stupid for yeah. how stupid some people are is like you just watched you know this guy get into a cage who's been training for three months consistently to wound maim and literally hurt right. another person that's what he's been doing for several months and you are going to go with your drunk butt point your finger in his face because you've been training since beer 30 like, right <laughs> yeah solid plan like i and i've seen that happen several times and then you know if a fighter lost or won somebody snaps and then the somebody goes to sleep and it's usually pretty quick yeah like that, that's those are pretty funny where i get to watch that happen and i'm like <laughs> it's like i almost want to turn the camera towards it but i was like no i don't, <laughs> yeah. want, to have, I don't even we, want to have those pictures in the event something do, does come of it i've got evidence i'm like nope because then they'll confiscate my camera yeah well when you when you, when you go to some of the more like the regional shows the vast majority of fans that are there to watch are connected to somebody yep. um, either their training partners or their family of one of the people that's fighting so when i'd go to the events now now wec was one of the biggest ones other than the ufc um because when i used to go to the wc it was still more of a regional thing but on a big show they would have three to 5,000 people, you know, even at a regional show. And so when, as soon as we would get there, we'd sit in our little area and then start to introduce ourselves and find out, Hey, uh, who do you got on the card tonight? They were like, Oh, I'm here. My, uh, my, my brother, or, you know, and they, they tell you their, their connection to the fighter. And mm -hmm. so we, we always like everybody within our area. I mean, if, 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 I mean, finding out, you know, because usually they'd sit in groups, too. And so the last thing you wanted to do was be sitting in the stands, enjo enjoying a fight. <laughs> and and then you're like, oh, man, that that was that was a rough armbar attempt or whatever. Like, what? You know, and then and then that's it. You found out that that's his boy sitting right next to you. <laughs> that happened to be his fight. Yeah. And so that that became like our, our stick, what we would do. So there's a lot of times I. I was a person who trained, but when I would go to the WEC, I'd only every once in a while have a buddy on the card. So most of the time I got to just enjoy the show. But again, like I said, I would introduce myself to everybody and be like, you know what, when your buddy's up, I'll cheer with you. You know, we'll Absolutely. become part of your crew and we'll become part of your crew and just, you know, and then I joke with them. I say, yeah, look, I'm just introducing myself. Cause when the shit goes down, I'm like, I want to know, <laughs> you know, I want, I want to yeah. know who, who, you know, is coming yeah, in from what direction? <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've been to several. Um, like when I say several, it's still probably single digits. Several events, you know, less than ten, where I didn't have to do anything, where I wasn't either fighting, cornering, or doing some type of uh, photography on the side. Yeah. It was very, very rare that I was ever going to one without working the event in some fashion. But what I have learned. Uh, is you know in direct correlation with what you're saying that with with the local events that everybody's there for someone and the yes. easiest way to tell is the attendance level by main event by co-main and main event how many people are in stands yeah if you go to a ufc or a high level bellatar even bare knuckles getting to the point where they're pretty big but main event rolls around people are there because, oh, it's something awesome. They're not there to support any one person. So by the right. time main event hits, the stands are still full. 
when you've got local MMA, 200 people left by the time main event hits, it's always so unfortunate. I think about it all the time. I was like, I, I want the main event to be the primary. We should put that as the middle event. Right. So yeah. That way yeah. Everybody's there and gets to see the main fight or do the main card first and then the prelim card after because everybody leaves. Yeah. Nobody ever sticks around. It's, it's, it's unfortunate for the guys who are considered main event that nobody's there to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, easy example. So, so that WEC, like I said, outdoor venue, middle of summer, they, they had an area that they would put concerts on and easily three to 5,000 people. Easy. There was one event that, that we did that same thing. It was always like local fighters up to a certain point intermission and then they would go into, like, I mean, they have guys like Rigo Rodriguez uh, shortly after he was out of the, uh, the UFC. Uh, Frank Shamrock fought there. You know, they, they picked up some pretty good names for their headline. But we did one event. The, uh, uh, this would be like the, the, the headline of the undercard. Two guys from the two big local gyms. It was standing room only during that fight. And virtually every seat floor level around the cage was empty when the headline actual marquee matchup took place. I mean, it was completely empty. You know, like I said, standing room only, you weren't even going to move during that, during that local fight. Yep. I mean, that's, that's the way that's, it's, that's the way it is, but that's how you always know. And then, like, I did the same thing as you. And I, the few times that I went, especially recently, um, when I'm sitting around people, it's like, okay, who are we rooting for? Yeah. Like, so that way I'm not cheering for somebody. And there's been a, a couple different times when I was sitting down and I, you know, because I, I know almost all the fighters. So I know the guys coming in. Well, dad is sitting next to me of his new debut son. But yes. he's going against a guy that's not a debut. He's 2-0. and oh. It's like, oh. Like this, this should be interesting because I know how this is going to work out. <laughs> it was just fun to watch and yeah, just yeah. sit back, don't say anything. Like, calm down, calm down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's all part of the fun. Like, no, what really gets me, honestly, you know, going going into the, the, the cautious side of when it's when you can and when you can't get volatile at an MMA event uh, is early calls early stoppage yeah i think that's because it's all in the hands of of the referee and it's so dangerous because more often than not i've 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 had to talk to several fighters where they think it was an early stoppage especially an amateur yeah i was like dude yeah. you're not getting paid this is fun do you know what your record's gonna mean when you go pro nothing right i was like Take the loss, figure out why the ref stopped it. Do everything you can to make sure it never happens again. Take a learning experience and go. But at the end of the day, you got to go to work on Monday. This is not worth it for you to get hurt over. When you get pro, yeah, you can flip your wig because that, this is my career. You giving right. me an early stoppage. I watched the guy, uh, oh, is that ref down in South Florida? James, James something or other. Uh, three early stoppages in one event. In a in main pro event, and it was just, it, it was easily the worst thing I've ever seen. Like he stopped one fight because one guy got punched while they were standing up. He stepped in between them while they were both still standing because wow, he, said still he standing. saw one fighter still standing. Wow. He saw one fighter's eyes roll back into his head, and he knew he was asleep. 
but he was still standing, still had his hands up. Right. I was like, <laughs> are you? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was a crazy one. The promoter actually got in and, and like grabbed the ref by the shirt and it was like, oh. Wow. But that was four years ago, five years ago. Well, it's, and that was when, that was when I was traveling the whole Southeast. It's so it, difficult it, 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 to, every weekend. Of, of all the, the things that we've ever seen and everything else, getting a fight overturned is incredibly difficult. I mean, most more times than not, the call stands. Um, yes. e- even in the case where it's pretty egregious, maybe they, they call it a no contest. Maybe. Yeah, that's the best you could hope for being no contest. Right. But very, very rarely, I mean, do you ever see, you know, when, when, when something of that nature comes up. And, and that's where, like you said, I mean, when you're pro and stuff like that happens, yeah, it, it has a much bigger, bigger effect on you. Um, I think we've seen, we've seen one. Uh, Sean Lee Ormsby yeah, just boxing. recently in a boxing match got the fight overturned. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, she. Uh, it was one of those where I mean, you watch the video; it sure as hell looked pretty, pretty decisive. But the decision went the other way. She actually protested, and uh, you know they they overturned it, and I believe gave her the win, not just put it yeah. to a no contest. It's like one of the yeah, only I, ones I've I've really ever heard of. I, I remember that the only the only time I've ever seen one get overturned after the effect was. Um, was the the judges either the judges read the cards wrong or the announcer announced it incorrectly right but it was uh justin henslin uh for kickboxing at i think it was, i believe it was a combat night event and he was a the, for the it was a title fight when they had called his opponent had won but right. he had actually won the fight but nobody knew about it until an hour and a half later and Justin's like, dude, like, like I want to see the card. So they brought the right. cards out. All the judges cards said that he had won. Like, then why did I lose the fight? And they're like, man, are we, are, we have no idea where, what went wrong and who did what, but yeah. Well, and and right even then, the even then getting a chance to see the cards. Um, Cause we've been to a number of events that, you know, we, we, we were in the fight. We knew it was close. Um, we weren't necessarily protesting the, uh, the, the outcome, but we wanted to see the cards. We wanted to see what rounds did we, did we think we won versus what rounds did we actually win. And when we requested the uh, cards, not, this was not a combat night. So, um, but they were like, no, fight's already yeah. over. And we, th- we, th- we throw them away. We don't keep them. And we were like, what? And then there was another fight, uh, again, not, not a combat night, where it was a split decision, and we, we'd already learned our lesson about, uh, you know, ask immediately to, uh, to see the cards. Because, again, we, for our own sake, we, we go into it already having an idea in our heads. What rounds did we yeah. win and which ones were the close rounds? And sometimes when you look at the cards, it's not the way you thought. Um, and so – and so we asked to see the cards and it was one of those where they kind of like, like flash the cards. You got a chance to briefly look at it. And then we were like, you know, you know, Hey, I'd like to, you know, like, like Christian got to see him, but I did, but we were still cage side. 
And I was like, hey, I want to be able to see there. Like, no, you already saw him once. And I was like, man. <laughs> like, I saw that there was writing on them, but you right. scratched like a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a really dangerous thing with with judges, especially in MMA, because a lot of times you're going to have guys that specialize in one aspect of martial arts because you're not going to be an expert in MMA. It's just not possible. Right. You're going to be an expert in some, you're a striker, you, you know, are a submission specialist, you're a wrestler, you're a kickboxer. So if you have a background, like for me, you know, I, I have a very, very strong stand up. I'm okay with takedowns. I, I kind of like it's there, but I'm really good at staying up when you get on the ground because I've done, you know, I've got my blue belt jujitsu. I've done time. And it's like, I, I can see it and I know when things are technical, but more often than not, unless you're doing something and actively progressing, if you're on the bottom and you're literally just defending, you're not going to get any points from me that round. But you might be doing and actively, if someone is a black belt and has been training, they're going to give a point to the guy that's on the ground on his back because he's doing something that is more technical than what I can see. Because, But don't leave it to the judges. That's, that's the best yeah. thing, best advice I had ever gotten was don't ever, if you, if you leave it to the judges, then your fate is in their hands. Who was that? Right. I think it was, uh, I think it was Larry. No, it wasn't Larry. It was one of the first events that I I shot and got paid for. Uh, I, I happened to go back and I was listening to the fighter, the fighters meeting. And the ref said, all the judges are stupid. Every single judge has no idea what they're doing. And you need to pretend like they're looking at the fight as if they're your grandma. And they're just going to judge it based on whatever they're feeling at the moment. So if you leave it to well, the judges, it is what even, it is. And then you even can't to give the judges a, a little bit of, you know, a little bit more credit. Oh, no, I the, agree. You can't no, be I'm just a saying, judge unless but, you know how to fight. But, but even, even as a corner, judges, even as a corner sitting down, the cage is elevated three feet off the ground. You're not allowed to stand and you got to sit down. When it's stand-up, as long as the ref's not blocking my view, I can see the fight very well. The moment it goes to the ground, depending on where they're at, the view is completely horrible. You can't see hardly anything because I'm not allowed to stand up. So all I can see is horizontally even with like if they're on the other side of the cage or something of that nature, and let's say their heads are away from me and all you can see is their, their asses and their feet. <laughs> yep. So I'm like, at that moment, if I'm a judge, I, I literally can't judge what's going on because as far as my vantage point is concerned, you can't see anything. And so, right. like, and, and so it's one of those things. I mean, and I, I look at it just simply from there's times where literally I'm trying to corner my fighters and I can't see shit, you know, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, and then, and if I do try to look, you know, the commission dude's going, yes, sit down, yes, sit down. <laughs> I'm like, God dang it. <laughs> or you lean too far over and you bump the guy and like, back up. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, I mean, and that, and that really is a thing. We, we learned that, um, a while back, I mean, a long time ago, we paid decent money. We were like second row off the cage. Now, this was an event that, unfortunately, this was a professional event, jumbotrons and everything else. But the problem was the jumbotrons were mounted. So we were too close to see the jumbotrons. Like, right. But we were 
we were you know you couldn't see shit so we basically yeah. were just like sitting there like and, and, i mean this was a pretty pretty high level event so now so we basically made the decision okay if we're there to watch the fights we back up a little bit and we get on. a better vantage point or if we're there to Smooth. meet and greet and schmooze and things of that nature then we'll go forward but we're not doing it with the idea that I mean, because like I said, watch fights. <laughs> you, get, you get to hear the fight a lot better. You definitely yeah. get to hear it. You get to see it when it's a stand-up fight. But like I said, when it goes to the ground, it's horrible. Because then if you try to stand up to watch, then everybody behind you is yelling at you. Um, yep. You know, so, so we made that choice a long time ago. If we're going to go watch the fights, we move up to the cheap seats. And if we're, if we're there to, to actually be more social, then we move down. And we'll we'll go we'll go floor level or we'll get closer to the uh, to the front. You know when I oh man it's it's been so long. No, I, I, the last time the last time I bought tickets, um, I bought VIP, but that's because I knew the tables were in front, right? And the VIP section was far enough back, and I knew the event I was going to. If it was just a standard event, like I, w- I actually caught the bare knuckle uh, that was in Tampa or Plant City, I think a year, year and a half ago. They, nobody responded to me about media because it was like their second event. So I was like, okay, oh, well, gotcha. they, they weren't letting anybody use cameras at the time. I was like, okay, fine. I don't care. Like I just wanted to, I, you know, so I ended up hooking up with one of my buddies and we went down, bought a bunch of tickets and went down and bought general admission. And it was like, man, this is sweet because when they were in the right place in the cage, you could see it. But then most of the time we're just staring at the jumbo truck. Right. Yep. yep. I, my TV at home is 4k. I could get better views at yes. home. Yeah. Like, why am I here? Like, oh, it's for the experience or something or other. <laughs> well, Waiting for like a fight the, to break uh, out in the crowd. The, the early days though, when, uh, cause we were, we were California based. So, we used to go to the uh, uh, San Jose Arena uh, quite often for Strike Force and uh, and those shows that would go on, go on there, and so it was one of those. Now they they controlled their their crowd. I mean the the seating there. I mean they like San Jose was the very very first legal MMA fight in California was at the uh, the uh, San Jose Arena. And so San Jose actually used to hold the record for a brief moment for the largest crowd, um, you know, for a, uh, for an MMA event. Cause they, I mean, they sold out and they still had like 2000 people outside trying to get in. But if you were floor level down where like the, like if you were in like a basketball area where the courts would be, you were down there, their security was tight. Uh, nobody from up above could get down below and that's pretty much where all the fighters were uh, fighters and families and everybody else were sitting and so like there was one event uh, we were sitting with uh, Eugene Jackson if you remember him Um, we just happened to sit with his family Um, he was fighting on that card so we're just kind of chilling with his family and then I went to go get popcorn and the the lower level had its own concession stands and everything else unfortunately again didn't, didn't have cameras, didn't have camera phones and shit like that. So I'm standing in line and I'm sitting there and I'm not a small guy, but I'm not a big guy because I'm only six foot. I'm not, I'm not a giant. I'm not a, a tall guy in that regards. I'm just thick. Um, and so I'm, I'm sitting there and there's this taller guy there. And I'm, I'm like, at first I'm like, oh, I'm recognizing him. 
and it was Josh Barnett that uh, that was in line buying popcorn with me and stuff like that. Didn't get a chance to take a picture, you know, and that that kind of set our first initial ideas when you go to the bigger events, because like hardly anybody that's of any worth is sitting up in the cheap seats. But like I said, watching the fights usually kind of suck. Um, yeah. Except the the one fight that we went to the cheap seats and didn't get to watch the headline was George St. Pierre versus Matt Hughes when St. Pierre won the title the first time. Yeah. We were at that event at Arco Arena and I did not get to watch the fight because a fight broke out right behind us in the stands. We're literally, there's only like, 10 rows behind us and then that's it the, you're at the highest <laughs> point of arco arena and you know and literally as we're watching, the fights, we're watching the fights and then somebody just comes flying in crashes into our group and as we turn there's just this brawl going on behind us and then <laughs> by the time that brawl is taken care of gsp won <laughs> and we're like man so yeah, that's that's super disappointing. Yeah, like but you at least you could point to it and be like, I was there. I don't remember, yeah. it, but I was there. Well, it was funny because the we we weren't even part of the fight, but it came to us, and I had probably fifteen students with me that that we're all sitting there, and I put them in front. We got like a an area. We got like five, five, and five. So we had a, a little block of seats. And this, this dude comes over, Christian's, I don't know what. He's little, he's like. Six years old, seven years old, maybe maybe somewhere in there, maybe a little bit older, but he's still definitely a little kid. And uh, this fight comes down and everything else. And I just remember, you know, I just, I, I turned at first, I was just trying to figure out what happened. And then it looked like the fight was going to stop. And then the, the Walmart greeter security people that they had came up. I mean, they were older <laughs> than dirt. Um, yeah. They weren't going to, they weren't going to stop nothing. The fight broke out again and they ended up like shoving Melissa and shoving Christian in the process. And so I, I stepped in at that point and my students who were watching the fight heard now the commotion going on. And so they, all of a sudden I got, I got, you know, probably 10 people, you know, um, you know, standing behind me, you know, and so finally everything squared away, but now the event's over. And somebody comes up to me and goes, hey, don't exit out the top of the stairs because they're waiting for you up there to kick your ass. I was like, well, fuck it. Let's go. Let's go. So, <laughs> so, Thanks, buddy. Yeah. So I hightail it up the stairs. And when I get there, there's nobody there. Um, there's, no, there's nobody up there waiting for us and everything else. I mean, like I said, it wasn't even our fight. Then... We're at a jiu-jitsu tournament, I don't know, six months later, and this guy comes up to me and goes, hey, uh, he goes, I just want to say I apologize. He goes, Arco Arena, during the fights, he goes, I was the guy that threw that dude on top of you guys. <laughs> and he goes, and I, I waited up at the top of the stairs. I was going to apologize to you guys then, but then, then we had to go. But uh, yeah, so I ran into him at a jiu-jitsu tournament and, and we, had, we had a chuckle over it, but. So that was the guy who was waiting to, to beat you up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it shows people have no idea. Like, you know, you have no idea what you're talking about, but thank you for your input. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, I ran. Like, in, I I literally ran into Tio Ortiz once, not even on on accident. It was on like on purpose on accident. Okay. I was, uh, I was deployed, and we had just came back from deployment. We were in Fort Lauderdale, uh, making our way in transit back up back up north, and and stopped. We just came back in country, and uh, me and two of my friends went to the Fort Lauderdale Hard Rock, the Hard Rock, and <clears throat> I. I am a small guy. I am. I am not a big guy. I'm a small guy. I'm five eight. At that time, I weighed uh, probably one sixty, maybe one fifty five. Um, so I've always had little man syndrome, especially being you know fighting from the time I was five years old. I've always walked around with not only just one chip, I just chip on each shoulder, right. one on the knee, one on the head. I held one because I'd throw it down <laughs> always. Um, and we were walking through, and my buddies are huge what were they were but one's like six eight was 290 Damn. pounds just but stacked and uh so i always had something to prove always just i've always been that person where it's like i'm instantaneously ready to fight at any point in time because you know i'm an idiot but uh <laughs> walking through not paying attention i was looking down at something and literally slammed into a guy and i turn around i'm like what the dude seriously I'm like you don't see these these people walking and i look at him and it took me a second where i looked back and was like hey um what's up dude um that's <laughs> yeah, my son <laughs> um but i looked at it, it took me a second where i look and i'm like are you and he's like yeah i was like oh that could have been bad and he's like yeah <laughs> like all right cool <laughs> like you guys have a good night and he was with his dad and, and like a friend or something like that but it was like in that moment if i didn't know him and i didn't have the background that i had in right, yeah. you know, mma and knowing it's like but i saw him face to face he's my height you know he, was, he weighed probably 10 15 pounds more than i did because he was in between fights it was like i absolutely would have thrown down with that guy and gotten yeah. my butt kicked <laughs> <laughs> you know because I went and I left and my two guys are like, yo, we're, we're kind of surprised you, you didn't swing on him. I'm like, you don't know who that was? And they're like, no. I was like, dude, that was Tito Ortiz. They're like, you, that, and I was like, yeah. They're like, where's he going? I'm like, dude, he's with his family. No, we're not going to go chase him. We did go chase him. Uh, just to put that out there, I was that much of a cheese ball. Right. You know, we got in the cab and tried to follow him, but he went way way up north we, you know, we followed him for about an hour he probably oh wow wow you guys really chased him <laughs> <laughs> well, we were we were hoping he was going to stop somewhere because it was only like eight nine o'clock i was like but i'm guessing he went for dinner and then went home right I'm like oh man so we had to go on but we wasted our whole night hoping to sit down with tito ortiz <laughs> wow like yeah, it was fun though. i mean we've met you know what we do we meet a lot of people at a lot of different times so it's it's fun being able to uh, see and be yeah. in the places and, and know that at the end of the day it's a very close-knit community oh, yeah. so it's there. there's never going to be a time when fighters going to be like oh no you can't be here right. no yeah. it's like oh dude you fight come in sit down tell me how you think and what you feel Let's, maybe we can even spar yeah. I think at the end of, that's that's the camaraderie that I love that I'll never be able to walk away from like yeah. I can punch you in the face as hard as I can and then if you happen to get one off and I go to sleep and I wake up, it's like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. And you and I, you and I have a connection for life because, you know, we put it on the line with each other. 
Well, like that, that used to be the part I, I really enjoyed in the early fights. We would, we would go to a fight and the after party was almost always at the same place. You know, usually like as soon as done, then, you know, the, the, the average, the, you know, the, the family members that just came to support and everything else usually left. And what were you, you were left with were typically the fighters and maybe some of their corners and a couple buddies and everybody would just stay, hang out, party was right there. And, and so usually it was a very, very much tight, much more tight knit group. Yeah. Um, but the part that I think is like really cool. So, so Christian, Christian fought in the contender series. Um, and then right after the contender series, he was getting married on his honeymoon. He goes to Hawaii and while he's there, they're near Max Holloway's gym. So Christian messages us and is like, Hey, um, can the gym buy me some gear while I'm here in Hawaii? And we're like, yeah, sure, bro. I mean, whatever, whatever you need. And he goes, okay. He goes, cause I'm going to go train at uh, Max Holloway's gym. And so he ends up training actually with Max Holloway on his honeymoon, Joe blow off the street. You know, they don't know him. And, yeah. and yet he actually got to get in some sparring sessions, you know, but not just on the floor with Max, but actually get some sparring sessions in with him and stuff like that. And that's the part I, I, I truly love about this, this, this thing that we do is that, you know, it is such a small group that everybody is, I mean, Max Holloway, it was still a big name, still is a big name. Yeah. And yet, you know, was still a super cool guy to anybody that walked into his gym. You know, you get to, you do get some places where, you know, they have to protect their, their fighters because too many people stop by you know, to, to drop in and, and, you know, try to catch a round, um, you know, but I mean, still you, you go to most places and the doors are open, you know, they, 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 they bring you in. And as long as you're not a, not an asshole, everybody treats you well. <laughs> sometimes they'll treat you better if you're an asshole. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Like you get ex you'll get extra sparring sessions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> extra. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's that's when the professor will roll with you be like oh yeah you're one of those types like come on let me show you how tight this triangle is a neon neck well <laughs> let's talk about neon neck there's been a couple times where you've heard phrases like tell him when he wakes up <laughs> yeah <laughs> to get his shit and go <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's uh, it's it's one of the things that you know i don't i will i will walk into a place you know, and I've, I've got an extensive amount of training behind me, but at the end of the day, I also know that just because it's behind you doesn't mean that it's good for you right now. I yeah. haven't been in the gym and actually trained in any type of an MMA faction, fashion or function for probably a year because my life has just been so crazy. So I know for a fact, if I was going to walk into a gym, I've got one solid round. One. <laughs> at, at 38 years old, with you know my stamina and the endurance and cardio of where it's at who i am as a person and who i'm going to be fighting there's going to be one good round after that you're pretty much i'm, I'm pretty much done <laughs> <laughs> but i know that so i wouldn't walk in under the assumption it's like oh let's go like, right oh, yeah just, yeah I, I i'm gonna be in the back in the corner hitting the bag like i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna beat the crap out of that heavy bag for about two minutes yeah. <laughs> it's like i need a water <laughs> it's like, uh, 
it's yeah, it's all part of the fun because at the end of the day, we're always drawn back. Yeah, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I still I was talking to somebody about it the other day. I, I still fight the urge to want to get back into training and get back in the cage, but you know, it's like I, I herniated the disc. I got a class three tear in my right shoulder. I broke my left humerus. It was all in the course of one year. My wow. entire body just told me it's like, no, you're done. Like, you know, it's like an ACL tear and MCL. I needed to uh, scoop my entire tetanus. It was, it was horrible. Wow. All in like a year. I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I will never set foot in the cage as a fighter again. And I accepted it, but it's a battle every day. It's like, yeah. Okay, nope, oh, yeah. Nope. yeah. Not going to fight anymore. And, you know, it's, it, you start to train a little bit. You get a little bit worked up. You're like, okay, my body's not in that bad of shape. I could do this. Or no. <laughs> no. I'm 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 turning 50 this year. I've got four degenerative discs in my lower back. I'm working on my fifth. Um, oh yeah. I got arthritis now setting in into the degenerative discs um, into that area. I have no clue what's in my knees. <laughs> um, I've, I've I've never seen a doctor for any of my knee injuries. Um, so I, I literally have no clue. Um, I just know things aren't there, but, or at <laughs> least I suspect they're not there. But, uh, cause I remember this was a long time ago. Um, I got one knee jacked up and you know, this was, I was doing, uh, doing some leg locks. Um, rolling was competition level always. Um, I mean, I got one, one leg jacked up to the point where I could barely walk to even get out to my car to, to leave. And then I was dumb enough to continue rolling the best I could, even with one bum leg. And so I got the other one jacked up within a week. Um, so now I've got two knees that, I mean, and this, this part is no exaggeration. I would go to bed and I'd wake up in the morning and it would take me somewhere between 10 to 15 minutes just to be able to stand up. Uh, my, my knees were so trashed. Um, yeah. Recovery was probably about 10 months, um, you know, mainly because I was too stupid. You know, as soon as I started feeling better, I'd go train and then mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't feel better anymore. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. You know, and then, uh, you know, but that that's the, you know, that that's the part. It's it's, you know, unfortunately speaking, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of when when was the last time I trained where something didn't hurt? yeah it's 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 the warrior lifestyle like we're not we live we live hard you recovery know, is definitely getting harder <laughs> yeah you don't we don't treat you don't treat your body in a way it's like oh i want to live so that way it's easy in the end of my life no i know like it's already setting in there's times like oh crack crack pop you know i lift away yeah. with my right arm and it, and it snaps in three different ways it's like oh man like I'm almost 40 and I already know by the time I hit 50, I'm going to be screwed. I've yeah. treated, there is no, I did not treat my body like a temple. I treated it like an amusement park. Oh yeah. And it oh, is yeah. going to show. So it's like, okay. But it, there are the people that do that. And we're the ones that always gravitate and yep. suffer and, and we'll, you know, crack jokes and laugh about it later as we're complaining about being in pain. And then somebody will, eat wheatgrass you know and then is chomping on kale and be like you should have done this like yeah, well you know unfortunately um i mean not not that this is an excuse or anything else but uh when i was in college 
I took a first aid and CPR class and the, the guy that was running the class was one of these super fit, eat clean, everything else, um, and was professing living this really super, you know, super clean lifestyle and everything else. And then he, uh, he told us, I mean, I was, he was only in the class for about uh, two weeks when it started. And then, and then he goes, Hey guys, I'm going to be gone for a little while and then I'll be back. I am, I'm going in, I'm having exploratory surgery on my, uh, something on the stomach and that's it. I mean, he never came back. He, uh, he never, he never got off the table. Once, once they put him up there wow. for exploratory surgery, he never got up. Um, and uh, it was one of those things. I mean, because I remember he made a big impression on me. You know, I, I, I really respected him. And I was sitting there going, man, you know, he's fit. He's really, you know, he looks really good. I mean, I, I would love to be like that. And then the substitute that was there, eventually I'm like, hey, whatever happened to Paul? And they go, oh, they didn't tell you? I'm like, no. He goes, yeah, he, he, he died on the operating table. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, okay. well. Damn. And then, so then I started saying to myself, going, oh man, I mean, he, he did all the things that you would say were the right thing to do. And it, it didn't make a difference. Um, you know, so I, I don't live crazy. Like my life is not crazy. If the average person looked at my life, they would go, dude, you're a fucking idiot. I mean, <laughs> as far as, I mean, the things that I do and everything else, I mean, it, it's a passion. I still work my day job. You know, I do that for, for eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. We, we run the gym at night, um, you know, but it, it's kind of like what, what St. Pierre said, you know, he's like, Hey, he goes, if, if a person ever, he goes, they think it's, I live this lifestyle where it's party all the time and everything else. He goes, man, most people would think my life's boring. Um, you know, cause it's all, it's all just training and everything else. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty damn good life. You know, and, and I, I wear the scars with pride because, I mean, every single one of them, you know, had, a, had either a battle or has a story behind it. You know, so definitely when, when I'm older and I'm having trouble walking, I'll know why, you know. But Yeah. Uh, well, you could tell. I'm like, oh, you know, it's like I did that because of this and I did that. Like yep. our generation, not our generation, but this, this, this next set, this next group of people, we don't have – the war stories it's like yeah we've got some guys that have the war stories but you know like millennials still joke about um you know what back in vietnam but back in my nam days because there were so <laughs> many movies that came out about it and it was that was their staple like okay well we didn't really have staple yeah we got guys that went over for iraqi freedom afghanistan you know yeah. a lot of guys that served but it wasn't as traumatizing to that generation as it was to the generation before. So we all have our own battle scars. It gives you something where it's like, oh, I remember that. Cause I could still like, I remember talking to my grandfather and, and certain other people in my family that went and they were over there for several different deployments. And it's like, they, you, you could see them talking about it and there was a haunting in their eyes. It's like, man, like I don't want my stories about all my battle scars to be this hidden black demon right in the corner. Yeah. It's like I, I wanted it to be fun. Like I've swam in a pool of jellyfish and it was the scariest fucking thing I've ever done. I've literally been chased by sharks. I've been lost in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean because 
a squall picked up while I was training with my other swimmer and the boat lost us. Oh, wow. Two hours. We were floating in the middle of the Atlantic, middle of nowhere, and the boats, the helicopters, nobody could find us because of the way that this, the storm had picked up. Scariest shit ever. Wow. Uh, I've, I've swam my fastest and <laughs> to get away from a shark because the person in the small boat thought there was a shark chasing me, but it was a dolphin. <laughs> so i thought that was the stupidest thing ever but come to find out where we were was in the breeding grounds for this little school of dolphins so more than likely it was chasing me trying to kill me i was like so, okay uh, not as bad but i still was scared to death of a dolphin <laughs> what was what was that like though floating out there in the middle of the atlantic it it's a very very different feeling knowing you're not the top of the food chain that's because you can only see so far down right you know you look down and it's like okay cool so this goes for miles like there are miles underneath me and i've got 10 feet of visibility right do you continue to do you continue to look down it's like nope okay we just but like you, you were out there, so you couldn't see the boat. You couldn't see anything. I mean, you guys had no clue how long you were no, going to be there. I, we knew we would eventually get picked up. Well, I, I don't think we really knew that. We both accepted the fact that there was a possibility we wouldn't get picked up. But we knew they would, they would be looking for us. Right. So we didn't move. We just, we just sat there and floated there for about two hours. Like, Damn. oh, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> yay. But it was, it was a really awkward scenario. The way that it all worked out was it was a rogue, you could call it a tornado, but it's a rogue squall where we literally got picked up in the eye of a storm as it started to twist and turn in the middle of the Atlantic where the, you know, hurricanes come from and the waves picked up around us. So it became a fishbowl wow. with he and I directly in the middle. Worst luck possible because we, we couldn't swim out because initially we had started it's like oh man let's swim out we started to swim and the harder we swam we realized we weren't actually getting anywhere and it's like okay well if we're swimming trying to do this we're, we're going to put ourselves in a place where they can't follow us so we just sat it out and wrote it out it, it took about two hours for everything to settle out and then they were able to pick us up again that wow. was that was interesting <laughs> i jumped off I've, Damn. I've i've jumped off a bridge before because they uh they said they they wanted to do a realistic man overboard. That was cool. Like, okay, well, cool. So I literally walked off the side of the boat and just push. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get much more realistic. I got made for trouble for that. You can't get much more realistic than that, but they don't really allow that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> but, you know, I've got, I've got stories like that where I can, I can say that and it's fun for me. Um, you know, and then I can, we could even get into the fight stores and the different gyms. I mean, I've trained with, I've been choked out by different people. I've, I've had people try to put me in guillotines for most of my life where it's like, I am very good at protecting my neck. And I always say that up front. I'm like, you know, you're more than welcome. Try it. Cause I've only been in two guillotines in my entire life. And props to Mitchell Tamale. He's the one, one of two. The other one was Nick Reconati, but Mitchell caught me with one after we had rolled for probably about an hour nasty <laughs> so yeah everybody gets caught by Mitchell he's, he's got a pretty gnarly one like but there's there's a a sense of fun when looking back and explaining all of my different my different scars and my events so I, the next generation needs to have that 
but it's not there yet. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I'm happy. There, I'm happy waking all, up in pain. They're yeah. all looking yeah. at their phones and <laughs> not video, really... video games and TV. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. But you know, there, there's there's no book. There's no way to know. With uh, what does they say that uh, good men are born from hard times? Yeah. It's like okay, well, we gave our generation came out of the the good times from the parents after World War II. And then it came to where there was the depression and they all had to work to build. And our parents wanted to give us everything they could. And then our generation took it to where we made it just that one step better. It's unfortunate that that one step was the last step. Okay, so now we've made all these technological advancements. We've made all the economic achievements. We've been there, we've done that. Now it's peace. It's like, okay, well, we're humans. We don't do peace. So we are on the downward slide of what I, w- I would assume to be the next cycle of history repeating itself where bad things happen and we create bad times to create good people again. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only, uh, either that or we're just all going to become fat and lazy and, and build spaceships and <laughs> <laughs> explore other worlds. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> What's next? I, I have no idea. I just take it day by day and I'm happy that I can wake up in the morning. Yeah, I hear that. So um, you want to do any shout outs for your social media? Your Any way people can reach you if they're interested in using your services? Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? I don't even, I think I told you guys that my all of my social media accounts got uh, locked by Facebook and uh, shut down. I never got them back. Oh, really? New, the new one. Yeah, that's, that's why all of my everything's gone. I lost my my website uh, for different reasons other than that, but the, my website had crashed. I never rebuilt it because I was generating more through Facebook. Right. right yeah. All of my all yeah all of my followers on Facebook, my accounts, and then Facebook brought out Instagram. So all of my followers on Instagram for both of my primary photography account, accounts were just gone wow. overnight. I was like, ah, oh. so now I'm I'm literally trying to rebuild it from scratch. <laughs> It's like, it's so much work. It is. Yes. It is. Yeah, I, I, it took me so long to build it back up. So I, if you want to look me up, you can. Just Rusty Holt or Rusty Picks and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. man, well, we, we definitely appreciate it. We love your photos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I got to talk to you about some photos. As soon as I get internet back at the house. we I still right. don't have internet. We had a problem with our cable. And no, I did not forget. Right. <laughs> I, owe, I owe Dark Wolf months of pictures that I have. Like They're just sitting on my computer. But I, I can get them and I can pull them up and show you guys. But I, uh, I can't I can't send them out yet. No All worries. Right. No worries. <laughs> but I swear I'm going to get them. Thank yeah. you for sitting with us. It was awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. I look forward to it. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Enjoy your night. All right, thanks. Thanks. All right.